0: Welcome back to St. Dominic's Weekly. I'm Father Isaiah, your host. With me, the man of the hour, Father Michael Hurley. How are you doing today?
1: Wonderful. We're here. Uh, this is, I think, episode number 20. We're up to the, the big, big two zero. The oh, big t- my
0: gosh.
1: <laughs> I know. We've been doing this uh, uh, now for for five months, I guess. That's Oof. more or less. <laughs> Man. <laughs> this is good to get Could you believe that
0: we actually made to like, pass double digits and all that stuff? We're out of the teenager range. This is pretty
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> We're no longer teenagers. That's right. <laughs> so today's
0: good. the big truth. I mean, it's it has depth and breadth and... It's just a wonderful big truth this week.
1: Yeah, we're talking about the conversion of Saint Paul and normally when we get together a little this is a little behind the scenes in terms of the podcast, we kind of say, Oh, what well, you know what what's what's coming up this week? What should we talk about? And usually it's literally like a thirty second conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big believer in not leaving good ideas on the cutting room floor. True. true. But 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 when we looked at the calendar together and yeah. saw it was a conversion of St. Paul uh, we both got super excited. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is one of our, well, for many reasons uh just a uh, a really rich um feast day and uh you know so we, I think we we talked for about 15 20 minutes about this uh, so we, so we, so we, well, this is probably the most preparation we usually do uh pre pre-game in in order to uh to talk about it because there's so much there's so much there's here so in, ter- in, in terms of the for everything from um the story itself, which is uh, kind of the quintessential paradigm for what conversion, that is someone who does an 180-degree turn in their life, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, is uh, to that idea of the formation of the church, the impact of who uh, Saul, then uh, Paul, becomes for the church. And then even in our own time, that that idea of um, how we're called uh, like uh, Paul, to um, experience conversion in our lives and to share our story with others. So on many different levels, the feast day we celebrate um, it touches so many aspects of the live reality of the church, both theologically, spiritually, and then personally.
0: Yeah. So to just get everybody on the same page, the feast day of the Conversion of St. Paul is this coming Thursday right. on January 25th. Um, It's going to be such a beautiful day on the 25th of January. And um, the story itself is beautiful, um, that here we have Saul, this very zealous um, young man, zealous for the covenants, was there at Stephen's martyrdom, um, actually consented to the killing of, of St. Stephen, the proto-martyr of the church, and um, just and uh, Saul himself feeling the call to actually persecute um, the body of Christ. And here he has this, uh, one of, this um, very dramatic encounter with Jesus himself.
1: Yeah, he's not really a likely uh, person uh, to be the herald of the gospel when we first encounter him uh, in the early uh, part of the Acts of the Apostles yeah. because he's he's noted... Um, as being someone who, as you say, collaborates in in a murder so right. you've got you've got someone who's wearing a black hat from yeah. from is his first kind of introduction to the text, and so is one of the most unlikely as, as he True. himself li- says later on St Paul says the most unlikely of apostles right. or preachers of, of the gospel, just to say too that this is such an important uh, feast day in the church, normally, when we have feast days, they have to do with either the uh, the death day or the birthday into heaven of, of mm-hmm. someone, so mm-hmm. particular people. Yeah. Um, or in rare cases, the actual birthday of of, of Mary, Christ.
0: Yeah. Like biological yeah, birth. Yeah,
1: yeah, and John the Baptist, so are three of those. Yeah. And then I think there are, I'm trying to think of other, there's you know titles for Mary in terms of assumption sure, and things sure. like that. So uh, events in the life of Mary and Jesus. This might be the only non- Christological or, or, or Mary Mariological yeah, yeah, um, right. feast day the Church celebrates. In, mm, a, in yeah. other words, this is there, we have another day to celebrate Saint yeah, Paul. Yeah,
0: we have two days for Paul as such. Yeah,
1: a- and so. this isn't really so much a day about the person of Paul, yeah, or the life of Paul, but this moment this of God's moment grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this, this kind of what conversion is. So it's not located in the person of st paul as much as this is something that happened to paul which is if you will an example for all of us of what how god wants to interact and relate to us and how we need to relate to god so it's it's unique among all feasts as being uh, if you will, a kind of example of the interaction of God's grace and God's life in our life yeah. in a very dramatic way. Mm-hmm. But so that we might enter into that that drama of of conversion of, of mind and heart that we're called to do as well. So so and it's exactly. it's always on the twenty fifth. So it's always literally mm-hmm. a month after Christmas. Yeah. So a month after Christmas, no matter what day of the week it, it falls, yeah. you have, if you will, the epitome of what happens at Christmas, that is mm-hmm. the birth of Christ, how is it that Christ can be born in our lives? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can we be converted into right. the grace of, of, of Christ and, and to his will in our lives? So
0: And that's why it's kind of located in the where it is in the calendar. It's not necessarily the historical day where uh the risen Christ encountered Paul, but rather because of its link to the day of Christ's birth on December twenty fifth.
1: Right? That's right, exactly. So yeah. that's it, it's 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 uh, connected to that in that way. So month, so so it's unique just in the kind of feast it celebrates. It's not just the life of a saint. It's not just remembering, uh, you know, kind of an event in Christ's life or in Mary's life. But it's it's the moment in which all of us as believers. Uh, can both appreciate and be given, if you will, a uh, kind of inspiration uh to enter into the life of grace during this ordinary time. But yeah but but, but as how do we grow to, to be saints. Yeah. Like Saint Paul.
0: Yeah, we can be we can find grace not only in those high seasons of Lent, Easter having Christmas, but rather in this um kinda of ordinal ordinary time as well, right? Yep so, for sure. 100%. Yeah. So let's talk about the story. I mean yeah. that great story in the in, in Luke and yeah. uh I mean, first of all, we, before we actually talk about the story itself, I mean, it's like, so we're talking about uh, the Apostle Luke, who we also did, uh, we also did a podcast. Oh so, yeah. Luke as such, but I mean, but Luke, the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, basically two volumes of the same book, um, and or two books of uh, part one, part two, let's say. That's and, right. Uh, uh, so I mean, what does the story of uh, Saint Paul or Paul, uh, Saul falling off the horse persecuting the church. What can these things teach us? That? Yeah,
1: and so you're, you're, first of all, just talking about the context to remember mm-hmm. that Luke writes this gospel slash acts as kind of one whole compendium mm-hmm. of both the life of Christ and then how Christ continues. Right. And, and, the that, the church. and mm-hmm. that is really uh, the theme that I think Luke himself perhaps gets from the story of St. Paul and forms, even in St. Paul's writings, the idea that Christ... I, his life is extended and continues in the life of the mm-hmm. community, and we see that is as as the heart of the story. But also to say that this means that obviously uh, Luke and uh, Paul knew each other
0: yeah.
1: uh, well, and obviously collaborated in in you know the writing of the the uh, the story itself. Because we not only have the story as told in the Acts of the Apostles, but then twice later on in yeah. different letters that mm-hmm. Paul writes he gives his version of the story too. So we actually have three accountings and the very famous accounting in the Acts is given in kind of a third person detail. Mm -hmm. And then Paul's able to tell it later on. But in order to come back to that context, we see a kind of pattern in the original telling of the story, which I think applies to any kind of conversion. Right. When we're talking about conversion, we're talking about uh, the very word, conversio, that is yeah. um, to uh, to turn or, or turning, to turn yeah. into with, into some not just mm-hmm. a turning from something, but a turning into, into something, mm-hmm. right? And and so a kind of redirection uh, of, of life. And uh, as, as Paul, in the, maybe in telling the story, kind of blend uh, the different accounts, but we know that, Paul, as you say, was um, starts out as Saul. Mm-hmm. And even that name is significant because, uh, by his own admission, he was um, someone who was Jewish. Yeah. And so the name Saul is a Jewish name. And he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and yeah, who
0: else came from the tribe exactly. of Benjamin, but fact, the first uh, king of Israel?
1: Yeah, and he's not, he's, not, he's not just someone else. I think he's probably the most famous. I can't think. Can you think of anyone else? From the tribe of Benjamin that we know. I mean, I'm sure there's others, but
0: I would have to put will. you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, so would yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: so. Yeah. I, I think Saul. There was the that
0: king. one Kushite that was, <laughs> there that, was a that, Kushite. That, threw, that threw rocks at David. Oh, it's a Benjaminite. Was okay. Running, okay. Running, yeah, he was a Benjaminite. Was thinking. he? Okay. okay. <laughs> but but I mean, but, but I mean, what I mean. No, but the, the point is all. Yeah.
1: yeah. So in other words, in other words, they're, they're, you'd have to rack your brain yeah. to to come up with someone, uh, not just from the tribe, but someone who was as famous. So the most exactly. famous Benjaminite. We know that every Israelite would know just right off the bat would be King
0: Saul. The precursor of David, yeah.
1: And so you name your son Saul, you're obviously hearkening back Saul to to, to this kind of kingship. And so uh, Saul is um, aptly named in terms of uh, having a historic and and famous um, kind of patron, if you will. And we know that he's also, and he uses this to great, great effect, um, he's a Roman citizen. As well. And so l- later on, this comes in handy because he's able to appeal to Rome and he's mm-hmm. able to, to kind of cash in that chip. So he's just by birth, he's both Jewish. So right. he has that kind of audience kind of built in. He has named, uh, the Hebrew name is Saul, this uh, very famous uh, king, the first king in Benjaminite. Yeah. and uh, But then he's also a, a lit- legally a Roman a citizen. And uh, is able to kind of have a foot in both worlds so in terms of uh, kind of the ideal person to, to be someone who bridges kind of the Jewish scriptures and the covenant mm-hmm. to bring it to the Roman world. Right. You've got someone who's well positioned, but as he starts out, and this is what he says um, when he's talking about his own conversion, he is, as you say, zealous for the gospel, or I'm sorry, he's zealous, zealous for, for the, the covenant, the, the, covenant, right. the old mm-hmm. covenant, right? And he sees the, in this wave of those who are following the way and these new so-called Christians as violating that, and so exactly. he's he's eager to uh, to stamp that out to restore the purity of of the the, the covenant, uh, and to see how uh, Christ is is kind of an upended that uh, he persecutes uh, right. the church. He says too that he is a student of perhaps the most famous teacher of the day, yeah. uh, Gamaliel, mm-hmm. uh, who I think. Um, is even mentioned. I'm trying to remember when I was doing uh, Jewish uh, studies. Uh, you were talking about there's there's Hillel, who who is uh, the, the generation before uh, Gamaliel, who who is kind of like the the greatest mind of, right. of, of his era, and and I think Gamaliel is his son-in-law, and he kind of takes up he's he's kind of trained, they kind of pass down, but yeah. but I think in the Mishnah they said when when Gamaliel dies, righteousness itself dies. Right. So yeah. he's he's taken as kind of this this epic kind of teacher and figure, and so when Paul quotes Gamaliel and basically says I'm his student, that's, yeah, that's, he's
0: cachet, that's cachet, right? Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. That, that's a big name drop <laughs> he's yeah. doing there. Um, so to be able to say he's taught by him <clears throat> gives him. Credence and credibility in terms exactly. of being a yeah. scholar of the law. And he's he's not just one of his students. He definitely but
0: knows what he's talking about. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and, he, and, he, and he, he doesn't really, he, he kind of intimates that he's one of the star pupils, too. Yeah. Paul's never bashful about saying no, no. <laughs> it. No. It kind of, kind of, like, pointing out what his, talking his, about his street cred. Yeah. yeah, he's one of his yeah. star pupils. A lot of street cred. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so here you have this young man who has been trained in the Jewish law, knows it backwards and forwards, is steep in it, is zealous for it, is on fire for it. And historically, we know that the Romans are eager to keep peace. Right. And so when um, the apostles begin to preach very publicly uh, in the temple and in synagogues, it causes not only a kind of spiritual unrest, but also a kind of political unrest. Exactly. And yeah. so the Romans uh, give um, and have worked out, negotiated certain deals with um, uh, governors and other um, uh, Priestly figures who mm-hmm. have a kind of carte blanche to try, in, in order to keep the peace, uh, to restrain those who are preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. So we know in Damascus, uh, the, the the Roman authority had given permission from the high priest in Jerusalem uh, to basically have a kind of authority to make arrests. Yeah. Right? this And this comes yeah. up with Jesus because they, they can't put Jesus to death because they don't have the authority, exactly. mm-hmm. right? But they can put a lot of political pressure yeah, on that. Exactly. So, this, uh, so historically, we know that the governor of Damascus gave the high priest of Jerusalem mm-hmm. the right to arrest, to restrain, and even yeah. to put to death those who are causing this kind of political unrest based on the preaching yeah. of the gospel so paul or saul he's known as, as, as there, mm-hmm. is there mm-hmm. is kind of the chief henchman in being able to sort out from a religious perspective who is causing this unrest yeah. who is saying things that would be heretical from right. from a uh, at least from his perspective of the of the covenant and so this is what he's, he's doing and he so he's on the road to damascus yeah. very famously on fire for uh, executing his, his persecution or right. his kind of restraining of those who are preaching the gospel. And what happens, mm-hmm. as told in the Acts of the Apostles, is, is there's this blinding light, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and it's hard not to, when you're imagining this story for myself, think of the great Caravaggio painting. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, knew, you knew I was yeah, going there. I knew there. exactly you were going there.
0: <laughs> but the thing is like, that with, with the Caravaggio painting, it, um, Paul, in Acts of the Apostles, at least— it never mentions a horse. Yeah, oh, yeah. In the Caravaggio painting. There's a the horse takes you know kind of center stage in that particular piece. Yeah, let's talk about
1: the horse for a second because. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no, because because you know you hear okay, so the the kind of uh, the smart thing to say is like, oh, there was no horse because nothing mentioned, but at the same time, it might sound too big of it. It doesn't say that there's not a horse, yeah, right? right? So, so if I say if I say you know I went to the store, mm-hmm. if you know the store, you know we here we're on the corner of Bush and Stein. If I'm going up to like Molly Stone, it, you just assume if I'm going up to the store, okay, I'm going to walk up to the store. But if I say, for instance, I'm going to go like then obviously I'm going to Costco, I'm going to yeah. go to Costco. I don't have to mention having to to take the truck or take the van but fair enough i'm gonna take it right i mean it would be absurd to you know (laughs) go down go go across town and and not be in a car so so i wonder just because there's the lack of a d of the detail of the horse in the axe doesn't mean that there's not a horse and and so so sometimes i hear someone's clever like well there was no horse mentioned so he wasn't actually riding horse Mm -hmm. well i mean if you know the the um custom of the day Riding a horse would have been a normal means of transportation. Yeah, so, exactly. anyway, so that's my little horse. That's <laughs> my horse Yeah. But I, and I mentioned the horse because if you uh, look at the, the Caravaggio, and, and just to say in terms of the Caravaggio painting, there are actually uh, two Caravaggio uh, paintings. Um, he's commissioned. Uh, and I, when I, I think oh, I remember one of our very first podcasts, maybe the very first on, on St. Matthew. Was
0: it Matthew? I think
1: yeah. it was Matthew, the the the, um, the calling of Matthew, which is my all-time favorite Caravaggio. But um, but the one on St. Matthew, he he first paints it, and I was able to see um, to see this in in Rome at uh, I think it's St. Mary uh, of, the, of the People, uh, San Maria Popolo di Popolo de um, he paints uh, a, a, a an, an image of conversion of st paul of paul kind of having fallen off his horse his his um so he's kind of in 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 the in the um in the front of the the painting his eyes are are, are covered over by his hands so to yeah. kind of in the blindness there's uh angels there's a figure of christ there are his attendants there's the horse there's um uh, even um uh, you know people kind of milling around there's angels so it's a very busy scene right. and mm-hmm. it's 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 based on if you look at um uh, a Michelangelo painting it's it, 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 there's a lot of echoes to that mm-hmm. and the patron uh, who um, commissioned him to do the, the conversion of saint Paul didn't like it
0: didn't like it yeah this is okay. in 1600
1: and says Nah. Do it again, yeah, nah. <laughs> so he didn't, he wouldn't. I guess I
0: plan pay, pay him.
1: Yeah. So if if, you, if you're not painting something, that your patron li- doesn't it doesn't care for you. are probably not getting full but price don't for that. But do you like
0: that one though? I mean, you prefer that one too because of one particular detail. Uh, well,
1: the one detail I I prefer is that in that particular, I mean, even though he's a little bit older, he does have a magnificent bushy red beard. Same <laughs> <laughs> fall <laughs> with a bushy red beard does have a certain attraction, but i i do think it's the lesser the, the, the two works so garbagio jumps back uh, on the horse so to speak uh, and to and, again. <laughs> yes. to, and paints uh a a picture or an image um which is almost it's almost striking um in that it, it only has three characters so it's much simplified mm-hmm. yeah. there's a much more of a dramatic contrast between light and darkness. Mm -hmm. There's only a few colors um, that are used. And the dominant figure in the painting is the The horse. horse. (laughs) Right? If you you didn't know the story st. Paul you'd say like oh that's an Im- that's a painting of a, a horse that's that, that basically the rider got tipped over on yeah. right it, and it, it, the horse
0: just kind of noticed exactly
1: so. and so yeah. there's a little bit of, of humor so so to kind of describe uh, this th- this image and this is he did it a year later 1601 Um it's it has uh, this kind of brown and white horse that's kind of dominates the whole image. The horse's front right hoof is actually kind of up, like he's he doesn't want to like trip over uh, the fallen prostrate uh, Paul, and he's he's but he's keeping moving. He's he's not really. He's like okay, well I lost the rider. It's too bad for him. Yeah. it's his loss. There's a kind of groom'sman that's kind of off uh, behind the horse, so all you really see is is his face as he's looking, but his face is looking down, so you don't really get yeah. get get a good shot of his face. Yeah. And then right in the foreground you have this young man so opposed yeah. to the the older so the no older beard. image no beard clean shaven um deep uh black hair um and dressed uh in a kind of military dressed like gr- a
0: roman military yeah you know, exactly complete with the sword
1: that's right and and so he's he's got this military bearing uh and and artistically if you look at it his um Compared to the horse, his his body is foreshortened, so it looks like he's literally coming out of the image. So it yeah. has that mm-hmm. that sense of depth dimension that he's kind of literally falling out of the painting. His back, he's he's kind of prostrate uh, with his head towards the kind of the, the front edge of the painting, and his hands up in a kind of triangle. If you if you if you if you could draw a triangle with the the, the tip of the triangle being his head coming out of the painting. And it presents this kind of imbalanced work where it feels like the painting itself, if it would have kind of gravity or weight, would be even falling forward. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a, you've got this kind of motion uh, that's kind of f- mm. falling. It falls kind of falling out of the yeah. painting. And he's totally vulnerable. He's totally prone. His, his eyes are closed. And everything in the background is completely black. The horse is kind of in shadow. And the, the most prominent aspect of the horse is... <laughs> his rear end yeah. <laughs> right that and that, yeah. yeah, that's the, the the center of gravity of the painting is the horse's rear end exactly the horse's rear end
0: solemn moment of Paul's uh, <laughs> blindness but the, but the com- comic figure of the horse moving on
1: exactly and so and then there's this shaft of light that that comes down hits, it's it's is illuminating Paul full in his face um as it as it kind of yeah. bounces off uh, the, the back mm-hmm. the posterior of the horse um his eyes closed and totally vulnerable, totally kind of uh, blinded in this moment, as we know from the story.
0: It's a- the moment of, of the light of Christ shining into Paul and blinding him. It, so he just fell it, off. It, it, a it's, very vulnerable moment.
1: Exactly. And so it reminds us, perhaps the first quality of the moment of conversion is to recognize that we are not at the center of our own existence, so right. to speak, that where mm-hmm. that the world does not revolve around us. And whatever we're zealous for, like Paul, or whatever we um, hold dear in our heart, uh, isn't, if you will, this can't be the organizing principle of our life in a way that absorbs us uh, in a kind of selfish way, or at least right. a way that's kind of like, the, the world is all about me. When, mm-hmm. we, when uh, the ego of the I is at the center of our life, or the, or the organizing principle of our life, we will, whether we like it or not, always get knocked down. We will always experience a way in which we're not in control. And so this is Paul's dramatic moment of recognizing that he's not in control. And so I think the real genius of the painting, uh, the simplification of it is to see conversion uh, first and foremost as a moment of humility, and this is mm-hmm. once again why well, you have the little humor of the, of the the backside of the horse being the most prominent mm-hmm. uh, pictorial uh, sense of gravity there, and that uh, you have Paul totally at. at uh, I mean, if the horse wanted to trample him, he could. I, yeah. he's, his sword is 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 thrown away from, cast away. He has no power. He is yeah. totally vulnerable. His legs Paul's are splayed eye. out. Exactly. His eyes are closed. His Joey eyes are closed. So he's bl- literally blinded. Right. Yeah. So in other words and and that's that 's of course a symbol for his the blindness of right. his own zeal for the law, not being able to see how Christ is the fulfillment of the law and so conversion both in paul 's life but in our life starts with the recognition that there's this moment of self awareness that our self can 't be at the center of our own happiness so when 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 sometimes you can hear these kind of kind of uh, chicken soup for the soul kinds of right. things like, oh, well, how do you find happiness? Oh, by getting in touch with your inner self or kind of putting said Well, certainly we want to have good self-awareness. Right. That's true. But we can't um, deify ourselves in terms of saying, you know, trusting whatever I think mm-hmm. is right can be the sole s- source of criterion right. for for happiness. So there's always a sense in which our happiness is connected to something outside of ourselves, right. something greater than ourselves. You think even think of... Um, that first principle of uh, some of the um, uh, uh, anonymous groups and you recognize that there's Mm -hmm. a power. 12-step. Yeah, the 12-step kind of thing. So you you recognize that you are powerless over whatever addiction or whatever attachment you have Mm -hmm. and that there is a power greater than yourself that you need to be in contact with in order to overcome or be able to manage the powerlessness that you have. So, even in, in a kind of a secular kind of yeah. um, context, that first moment of conversion, um, for, you know, kind of proves true. And this is why I love the Caravaggio. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, the, the light and the darkness and the kind of the, the, the humor there, but that first moment of conversion is always about true self awareness, vulnerability, and that's, and we, 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 we would call this the virtue of humility. Yeah. So yeah, so kind of, all, all starts with humility, a moment right. of, of, of mm-hmm. humbleness, um, and so that, that's that's the that's the beginning of the story. But then, uh, what, what do we have from there? If we go back yeah. to the Acts of the Apostle, so he's blinded, and then he hears a voice.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and
1: so after that moment of awareness and humility, then I think the second step when it comes to conversion is uh, hearing the call, right? Mm-hmm. Receiving the call of, of somehow. God intervening with his grace. And it's mm-hmm. interesting that um, it's a question that's asked. Yeah. So though he hears a voice. Yeah. The voice doesn't identify itself. It doesn't say do something right away anyway. Yeah. It says, he says, and it, what does he do? First of all, he names. Yeah. Uh, so when God calls us, the first thing he does.
0: He calls us by name.
1: Exactly mm-hmm. by name. There's power. Yeah. You could, we do. We do a whole podcast just on naming, right? right. And the mm-hmm. power of naming. But he so he says he says Saul, Saul. And then he asks a question, and it's of course, it's, well, of course, it's a bit yeah. of a rhetorical question, but it's a question much like when Christ was alive, he'd off, often ask those who were coming against him or those. Uh, who had a problem with what he was saying, he'd always ask them something. He yeah. would always try to engage them in the process, mm-hmm. not just tell them things, not just preach in the sense of lecturing, yeah. but he was always, he'd invite, and it's a very Jewish way to do it, a Socratic way.
0: Building a relationship and things like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly, making mm-hmm.
1: a point of connection. He says, why are you persecuting me? Exactly. And
0: that's really interesting because, yeah. like, uh, why are you persecuting me? tells of that intimate relationship between Christ and, and his body, right? Um, he could, I mean, Jesus could have said, why are you persecuting my brothers and sisters, my children, the church, the apostles? No, why are you persecuting me? So it talks about that, re- that intimate relationship between the head of the body and his church. Yeah, and even
1: just as you say it, the, that idea that the church is the body of Christ comes from St. Paul Mm -hmm. in the Corinthians and then in in Ephesians as well. And I can only think, but that metaphor, that symbol of what the church is, that is the body of Christ comes from reflecting on this moment when Christ asked mm. that question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? In yeah. other words, mm-hmm. it's, it's not as if there's this image out there in theology of the church as the body of Christ, and then Jesus says these words, this voice says this right. word to Paul, and he says, oh, that fits with that. It's the other way around. Yeah, exactly. This question that the voice speaks to Paul is the seed that's yes. planted in his soul that comes forth in the fruit of the theology Retreat. of the church mm-hmm. yeah. as the body of Christ. Yeah.
0: Right? Which is one of the, um, in a real way, a cornerstone of our ecclesiology, of how we see Jesus in our relationship, and, and um, how we are related, how we are uh, the church today, how we're related to the saints that have gone before us and those that will go after us, right? So it, it's,
1: exactly. So in, in the very call of this voice is, if you will, the seeds of the whole theology mm-hmm. of St. Paul, which becomes a theology of the preaching of the exactly. Gentiles, mm-hmm. the spirituality of of how Christ identifies himself with the community, especially with the least. You think of Matthew 25, whatever Mm -hmm. you do to the least, you do
0: to all. Yeah, you do to me. me
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, whatever you do to anyone else, you do Do it it to me. me. Um, And then so, of course, Paul, or Saul, at this point, naturally asks the voice, because you can even think that. He says, okay, so he struck down, he can't see. He hears a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I guess my first instinct, if it were me, would be think, is this like a ghost from someone who I've, who I've yeah. killed? Or is, yeah. is, is this, I mean, could this be Stephen?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because, because so.
1: he's you know because he didn't know. he's he's never met Christ. He never heard his voice. No. He didn't mean him. So you hear this voice coming and this kind of supernatural moment, and you hear this voice. Why are you persecuting me? It could have been Stephen. Yeah. It could yeah. have been someone that he arrested that perhaps escaped from yeah. jail that's, that morning. You know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. so he's got no idea who this yeah. is. He's totally befuddled and disoriented, totally vulnerable. No
0: wonder he says, "Who are you, Lord?" Exactly what he says, and and he says the word "Lord." Yes, you know, as in he's going to put himself into Paul. Saul is putting himself into the other person's power. (laughs) I know I'm vulnerable, so who are you? Let me. Yeah, yeah,
1: and just just to be clear, there when he says "Lord," it's um, although obviously the word we use to identify Jesus Jesus, and and Christ it's a more universal term that can be master mm-hmm. or sir. Uh, sir, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Who are you, sir, is another translation. Mm-hmm. Like, so ba- basically it's, it's a very formal deferential way of uh, of saying, who the heck are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, because yeah. he's totally, he's just like you, you, he's like, you know, you have the advantage of me in this moment, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Who are you? And this yeah. is where, of course, Jesus then reveals himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. It says, it is Jesus of Nazareth. Who And once again, he he doubles down on yeah. that sense of identification, right? Who you are persecuting. persecuting. So lest you have any ambiguity on what I'm saying, it's when you are persecuting those who follow me, who believe in me, who trust in me, yeah. who love me, you are not just persecuting them, you're persecuting yeah, you're me. me. Whatever mm-hmm. you're doing to them, you're doing to me. Um and so then, then he asks, just the next, well, what should I do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what do I do from here? He's like, I'm, you're, you're, you're driving the boat at this point. Yeah. And that really is, in a sense, that moment of conversion. Not the blinding, not the voice, but Paul's willingness to just take the next step. Yeah. Right? To say, say well, now, okay, what ought I to do? And it's interesting that um, the voice of Christ doesn't give him a full roadmap, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't say, okay, first you're going to do next thing, you're going to do this and you're going to go. But he gives him in a general way yeah. uh, what his mission will be, but he leaves it open to that sense of mystery. And this is, once again, when we're talking about conversion, we talked about that moment of self-awareness. We talk about the call, that very personal call mm-hmm. by name, yeah. um, and, and the identification of that, but then, uh, and is identification of Christ in the church. But then, um, in a sense, when God calls us, He's not going to tell us, he's not give us a roadmap no. that has every uh, specific kind of thing we would and he want to does. do. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He says, "Just," he says, "What does Christ say? Now get up, go to the city, and you will be told what you must do." That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that.
0: logical thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, that's the next law. Just basically, get up, go to the city, yeah. and you'll be told the next thing to do. So, r- yeah. really. um, he has to be. He has to be led, in, and he, here he is. He's the leader of this persecution, and then he literally has to put himself into the hands of his companions mm-hmm. who lead him into the city. And at the same time, he's doing that. Then the Lord's then coming uh, in a vision uh, to a Christian in yeah. and a, another Jewish scholar, by the way, too, Ananias. Mm-hmm. Ananias and yeah. the Lord says, "Hey, go to the straight street. You're going to meet this guy Saul." And I want you um, to heal him uh, and um, to bring him, basically bring him into the into the community.
0: That's one of the funniest parts of the story. It is. Lord, you want me to do what? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you realize who this guy is, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: I love it too because and I, see, it's not like he's unwilling to do it but he feels the need to inform the Lord of who Saul is as if God doesn't know who he is. (laughs) He's like, Lord, you know, and he he doesn't say who he is. He just says, he says, says, Lord, if you look at the text, he says, I have heard from many sources about (laughs) this man and the evil things he has done. And he has the authority from the chief priest to imprison all who call upon your name. So he's like, he's very um, gentle and kind of reverential when he talks to the Lord, almost kind of like, oh, yeah. it's like super pious. So he's like, okay, Lord, just to let you know, yeah, <laughs> the word on the street is this guy's bad news. And that in fact, the whole reason he's here." Is to persecute. Now, I'll do whatever you tell me, but just just so you know, we're on the same page. I just I, I love we're it. We know what we're talking
0: about, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and I have to say for myself, I think sometimes um, in my own prayer life, uh, some of my, my prayers on my own is is almost as if I'm informing the Lord of yeah, what's exactly. going on. You know, yeah. like we think like. Okay, Lord, there's someone who's who's you know who's sick, and you know you, you may have you know misdirected your attention from the real need yeah. here, but let me just call your attention to this as if exactly, yeah. as if God doesn't know, yeah, as yeah. if as if our prayers are informational for yeah. God, and you know like what He needs to do. But so I just I, I, I definitely uh, can uh, uh, sympathize with the uh, <laughs> with the prayer of Ananias when he when yeah. his first response is a kind of more informational in a very tactful way, yeah. in a very d- diplomatic way.
0: Diplomatic, gentle, very reverential—you know, very <laughs> like, much a believer. But <laughs> Lord, what are, you, what are you doing, Lord? Yeah, and you yeah. know
1: what you're doing. <laughs> um, and, but, but it points to it advances the the kind of pattern of conversion yeah. we talked about that moment of self awareness, that that personal call. But then, uh, and and the needing to be kind of uh, vulnerable and being willing to take the next step as Paul right. is able to do. But then you have, if you will, uh, an encounter with Christ in terms of how we put it as Catholic, as sacramental, mm. because he has yeah. a sacramental moment. What happens? Right. He comes, and Ananias, despite his own uh, hesitation, does go yeah. uh, to, to visit Saul, uh, sees him, and he, what does he do? He lays his hands on him, yeah. and what happens? He's he, The scales the fall scales from his of eyes. Yeah. He's healed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have to say, I've never seen this in... Um, in commentaries about this passage, but I can't help to think that you don't have an echo of the sacrament mm-hmm. of anointing of the sick. Sure. Oh, sure. Right. So no, it doesn't mention that he he uses oil, but he lays his hands upon him, and healing is effective. Yeah. And we know from the Apostle James, it, mm-hmm. it says in his letter, you know, yeah. are any sick among you? Yeah. What should we do? Send for the priest of the church. Send for the priest of the church, yeah. and, and and the priest will Jesus lay hands the on them,
0: them. and anoint him with the oil of the Lord.
1: And the prayer of the faith. Will save the sick
0: person and forgive any sins. Exactly.
1: And that's right from every time we do, as a priest, do that rite of of sacrament. We not only do that by laying hands Mm -hmm. and anointing the oil, but we actually begin the the prayers by recounting that story. We say, you know, know, this is how we start. We start with, of course, the sign of the cross, but then we recount that passage from Mm -hmm. the epistle of James. Yeah. And I, as I was, you know, uh, refreshing myself on the story, I thought, oh, this is Ananias. Yeah. And this is, if you will, an, an echo of an early use of the sacrament of anointing yeah. mm-hmm. of the second order. In other words, there's the kind of spiritual blindness, yeah. which is, in a sense, reflected in that moment of being blinded right. that St. Paul physically endures. And it opens himself up to then the next sacrament, which is? Mm-hmm. Baptism. Yeah, yeah, so this is where he's baptized. Yeah. So this is, if you will, uh, the first instance of a kind of baptism of someone who is hostile to the faith right. mm-hmm. that that comes in. And this is interesting because in the early church, there was a question about folks, not just who wanted to come into the faith. So you've got, before this, you've got right. um, like the the eunuch, the the, um, the Ethiopian. Right, right, right. So there's the, the Ethiopian. Philip, the deacon and, yeah. yeah, so you have someone who's, doesn't know anything about the faith, is curious about it in baptism. So there's right. been, and in, in, in Pentecost, there are literally 5,000 who are right. added, right? So, so there's been lots of baptisms before this, but they're all baptisms that come from folks who are curious, who are perhaps yeah. not aware of, who kind of come into contact for the first time. You don't really have a baptism of someone who is really hostile right to the church. And so there was a question, what if someone was the direct cause of the death of a member of community? Because we're talking about small communities or had betrayed in some ways uh, the community um, in a way uh, because of, um, you know, the the Romans, uh, part of the Mm -hmm. Roman persecution. Could they come into the church? Mm -hmm. And this conversion of St. Paul uh, is, if you will, uh, the answer to that, that Baptism is open to anyone no matter, no matter, there's nothing you can do, to put it another way. There's no sin or uh, injury to the body of Christ or to Christ himself that can keep us from the grace of Christ if we're open to receive it. There's
0: no sin that's too big for you to enter into the church. I mean, Paul, Saul, Mm -hmm. I mean... He killed Christians. <laughs> <Yep>. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly.
1: Yeah. So uh, this, is, this is just a wonderful, uh, once again, lesson of conversion is that there is no sin or no darkness or no evil in our life that cannot be touched by the power of Christ's forgiveness. Right. First of all, sacramentally in baptism, but then even in the extension of baptism, when we talk mm-hmm. about sacramental confession, that there's, right. there's no sin that can't be forgiven.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Period. Yeah. Right. Unless we're not willing to. And this is where you get into the sin of the Holy Spirit and and despair. But but if we're willing, if if like Saul, when we recognize that who we are Mm -hmm, blinded mm -hmm. to be able to be led by others and to receive the sacrament is there. And this is why the whole theology of baptism as once again, who describes that or who articulates it for the church? It's St. Paul. And he talks about dying to self in order that you might rise with Christ. So mm-hmm. he, is, he says, I'm, I was baptized into the death of Christ yeah. so that, that he might live within me. And once again, that's coming right from his personal right. experience, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So, he, And here's really maybe perhaps at the heart of, of why the conversion of St. Paul is so powerful. It's not something, it, certainly Paul had lots of book learning. He was of the course. scholar, yeah. as I said, yes. Gamalio before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the most powerful teachings that Paul articulates come from his direct experience of Christ himself. Mm-hmm. The voice he hears, uh, those instruments like Anton, Ananias mm-hmm. of, of exactly. people that, that he that he meets, mm-hmm. the other apostles, right. and the living experience of Christ through the church and his mm-hmm. own, as he goes on and the story continues, of his own um, experiences of preaching the gospel, all those inform him of sharing the gospel, so it's not just reading, but it's reading, experiencing, and then sharing yeah. based on that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we've got this moment he's baptized, and then of course we think, well, that's the end of the conversion of Saint Paul, right? Yeah. So it's a beautiful starts,
0: story. Starts preaching the next day.
1: Exactly, he starts preaching, makes lots of converts, and the and the, and and, and then the rest of history, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Short answer: No. And so this is the, w- once again, like, uh, like you're saying, that there's there's a real depth dimension and complexity yeah. to the conversion because. After he converts and it becomes clear that this isn't just um, a kind of uh, a moment of insanity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His, those who he was with, those who are persecuting the church, those who are doing see him flip-flop and to them, he's got to be what? Yeah. He's got to be a traitor. He's
0: he's a traitor. So they just, they abandon him and all that. And, and Paul himself, he, he goes to Arabia, right, for a number of years.
1: That's right. In fact, he has to escape. The way he, he doesn't just um, kind of... He
0: just doesn't walk out of town.
1: He but. doesn't walk out of town because remember, the, the Roman governor of Damascus has this deal with the high priest of Jerusalem to be mm-hmm. able to arrest. So when Paul, uh, well, Saul abdicates that authority, mm-hmm. it falls to those who he was traveling with. And so what happens? Well, it becomes known that he's now, he's not hanging out anymore, um, with, um, with his, uh, the previous, uh, yeah. um, Jewish, uh, covenantal yeah. zealots, he begins to go over to the community and he begins to preach this, um, Christ who he's never met, but who he hears in this voice and identifies in the community. What happens? Well, the Jews conspire to kill him and, uh, kind of arrest him and, And Saul gets wind of it because he still has his ear to the ground. And he's literally um, escapes... Out, be a basket via right? basket yeah. yeah so so the the, the 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 houses are built the, the city walls double as um, mm-hmm. as, as apartments so right. to speak right. and so he's he's let out of an apartment of a fellow Christian in a basket <laughs> lowered yeah. down by a row you think of the old you, you yeah. think of the you know tying the bed sheets to the right. bed post <laughs> <laughs> escaping out the window this is what he literally yeah. does
0: I mean I always imagine like something out of I love Lucy it's
1: just, <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly no so yeah so it's so it's in the dead of night, they lower him down through the opening in the wall uh, in a basket, and that's then he goes off as you mentioned to to uh, Arabia, and this is where you have kind of the the the, the once again the symbol of of life and death. Uh, Paul spends three days blinded in Damascus before Ananias heals him, and of course those three days are a symbol of Christ's...
0: Passion, death, and resurrection. Exactly. Three days in the tomb, in the
1: tomb yeah. or uh, Jonah yeah, exactly. in 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 the in the, in the in the in the yeah the whale, the fish, or whatever. Yeah. But but that that, that sense of that, and so then and then he spends three years mm-hmm. in the desert uh, in uh, Arabia. Right um and the only reason we know this is because Paul himself says it later on um in Galatians he says he goes after I was in Damascus I didn't go immediately up to Jerusalem I didn't kind of confer and um in a sense start preaching right away I went to uh the desert I went I went right. to the desert and what's in the Ara- we're not when we're talking about the Arabian desert we're not talking about like modern day Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. we're talking about the desert which would have been um just south of where he would have been there in Damascus, mm-hmm. so Petra, ah, okay. uh, for Petra, example, yeah. or the city of Petra, and yeah. and and if you go further down, where the where basically um, the Jewish people wandered in the desert right. for forty exactly. years, right? Mm-hmm. And what's the big mountain there? Yeah, Mount, Mount Sinai, Sinai. Mm-hmm. right? And we'll yeah. g- what's given on Mount Sinai?
0: It's the law, right? the law. So so, yeah.
1: so so you can imagine. Once again, Paul doesn't spell this out, but you can imagine that it takes Paul, so to speak, what he experiences in. 30 seconds, if mm-hmm. you will, three years to meditate upon, reflect mm-hmm. upon, if you will, because um, he knows the, the Hebrew scriptures, uh, what we call the Old Testament by heart, reflect upon th- what he thought he knew, right. now in context with this experience of the voice, yes. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. that has uh, said, I, I'm the one whom you're persecuting." And the followers of Christ, and to put those two, two two things together, and so he has, if you will, this kind of retreat experience, yeah. where he is able to, if you will, meditate upon how this moment of conversion has to be the catalyst for everything else he yeah. does mm-hmm. and the source of his preaching. So, so, and I always think this is a, this is not just. Um, a kind of sidelight to co- what conversion is all about. Mm. But if we want to truly experience conversion yeah. in our life, yeah. it's not just a spectacular moment right. Right. of supernatural vision. Exactly, It's not just hearing that voice. It's not just the self-awareness. It's not even just the sacraments or receiving that sacrament. Then we have to pray on it.
0: right? And mm-hmm. we have
1: to reflect upon it. Then right. we have to have, if you will, our quote-unquote retreat moment mm-hmm. or meditative moment. And if we're talking about daily conversion and kind of the ways in which we encounter the Lord on a daily basis, that's got to be part of the natural rhythm yeah. of our day as well.
0: Well, take about, t- talk about the people that are, say, A, for example, right? Those who are going to be converted to the faith are uh, going to be received the Easter sacraments at the Easter vigil. And, and the Easter vigil itself is is such a beautiful highlight of the year with the, with the Easter fire and and the exalted and the festival of lights and the, all these beautiful readings and then the baptisms itself. Yet it's, but conversion is not merely about that one moment with the Lord, but rather it is a journey of, as you said, we talked about earlier is a, con- a continuing convert present progressive to be that child of God that we're called to be. Right? Yeah. So it's a journey
1: exactly and, and just to be specific when you talk about RCIA that's the rite of christian initiation for adults so it's an acronym which mm-hmm. describes those who are uh, as adults coming into the church who have not either been baptized before
0: mm-hmm.
1: or received confirmation mm-hmm. or first holy communion or mm-hmm. first reconciliation right. so anyone who who doesn't have the fullness of those sacraments of initiation it's an opportunity uh, to be formed, so that we have classes every Tuesday night, mm-hmm. uh, and usually um, folks who enter into the church will actually maybe even come back for, it's, 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 it's a process of eight to nine months, we kind of be begin in the fall, and then depending mm-hmm. this year, it's uh, April Fool's Day, it's actually <laughs> Easter, <laughs> no, so yeah. it'll be we have the 31st of March uh, for the for the mother of all vigils, that Easter yes. vigil, but it's that process of several months which leads to this moment, but like you're saying, it's, it's that moment and, and, and to journey with, and and our RCI classes are always, um, you know, have, have many, many people We kind of fill the church on any Tuesday night, you'll have 30, 40, sometimes even 50 Mm -hmm. people who are, who are there, um, to be formed in the faith, to encourage one another and to, um. Journey together as a group of people who are interested in what it takes to, like Saint Paul, experience the daily conversion of our hearts and lives into the grace of Christ. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so
0: yeah, on Tuesday nights at seven thirty, it's just a beautiful moment. Just um, also obviously you're there every Tuesday, but Mm. when I would pop in, it's always been so affirming and so beautiful seeing these people on their journey of faith, truly wanting to know uh, the depth and the truth and the beauty of of the faith that we've been given by the apostles in Jesus Christ. Yeah.
1: In fact, it got so popular. We, we, it used to be like seven we'd start at seven 30, but now we've had, a, now we start at seven, seven right. <laughs> because, 7 because we've got so much house, usually housekeeping, yeah. you know, the <laughs> logistics kind of, kind of go, but it's, and it's uh, my goal. My, my goal is always to finish by nine, but it's, it's ne- never mm-hmm. happens. There's yeah. always, <laughs> it's always like, nine, like a few minutes up, but it's, it's powerful. And, and this is for, to come back to the story of St. Paul, it's those three years um, which are essential Right. To his conversion, because it gives mm-hmm. him the time to reflect, to really ask himself the question, "Who is?" It's almost his all theology and his preaching really is an answer to his own question, yeah. "Who are you, sir? Mm-hmm. Who are you, Lord?" Right, right. and right. it's an unpacking of who he experiences Christ as. So, yeah. like I, like we said before, the the idea of the community. Of believers as the body of christ mm-hmm. comes from that idea of yeah. identification with christ with the church the idea that saint paul says that um christ must increase in me right. and i must decrease mm-hmm. right that that dynamic or when he says very famously it's not i who live anymore mm-hmm. but it's christ living in me mm-hmm. so the yeah. eye of the self has to die to self in order that Christ might live within us. And that's, that's not something that we do as much as we open ourselves up to the gift of Christ, Mm -hmm. that the grace is. And so this is why all of his preaching about how the law doesn't justify, but it's the grace of Christ through the law that justifies. And so his whole kind of faith versus works, they're not opposed to each other, but that the works of the law are, if you will, the fruit of Christ's grace and not the other way around. We don't earn our salvation We accept it, and based on that, we bear good fruits. And this is why the fruits of the Spirit, and then they come forth from Mm -hmm. that. And so, all you you name a Paul, as quote unquote, Pauline theological Mm -hmm. moment, and I dare say you can trace it back to this moment Mm -hmm. of his conversion and to his reflection yeah. in in Arabia that that happens who are to you, that, sir? Yeah. yeah who are you Lord yeah, yeah. who are you sir exactly um, so so just that that daily encounter we have so uh, in some ways I think too that um, the very conversion itself um, is a private moment that if yeah. you will I mean there's others that are around sure sure. but that Paul makes very it personal it, between yeah Jesus it's, it's and, personal yeah. and sometimes when we think personal, especially this day and age, we think of private. But I think the conversion of St. Paul, one of the other, not only the process we're trying to highlight in terms of the the moment of of self-awareness, that that call, that voice that calls us, uh, it calls us to take that next step in our openness, even if we don't know where the road is leading, a moment of reflection. But perhaps that final stage of what conversion is all about is it has to take real actions, got to bear Mm -hmm. fruit. And I think today, in this day and age, we think of our faith, yeah. And religion and um, anything to do with the expression of, of, of who we're called to be as being, since it's a personal thing, we confuse that with being private. Right. Um, that just would not make sense to St. Paul. Yeah. That The mm-hmm. church wouldn't be the church if it had yeah. that kind yeah. of attitude. So the kind of cultural privatization of... The faith is very un-Christian, very Mm un-Catholic way to do it. That doesn't mean we go door to door necessarily, you know, knock on doors and, you know, talk about our faith. But there's a way in which our culture very much says, well, what you believe is what you believe, what I believe is I. And that there shouldn't be spaces to communicate and there's some kind of taboo against kind of public proclamations of our faith and living our faith, no, we should be, a, we, we, we should, if St. Paul tells us anything, it's that we should share our faith and not be afraid to do it and not, uh, you know, hit people over the head on it in, a, in kind of a nonviolent, mm-hmm. peaceable ways do it, but boldly do it and courageously yeah. do it and be willing to suffer whatever people think about us or might do to us because of it.
0: Well, take what just happened uh, on, on the 19th of this month and what's going to happen on on Saturday, with the the march and the walk for mm, life, and all exactly. that, I a mean, uh, very much of a faith-based movement that affects the the entire nation as a whole, right? We're about talking about um, about the sin of abortion and and the fact of how that uh, how that really hurts our society, especially the um, especially women, right?
1: So, no, that's a, that's okay. a fantastic example. There would be those who say, you know, that's a a personal choice to be made by individuals, and while that's true it also has very public societal cultural mm-hmm. effects. And so that's a conversation that we need to be having at a cultural societal mm-hmm. level and naming uh, the evils and the darkness that's there and in a very powerful, a very non and hopefully a very persuasive way being a symbol and witness for life in all of its stages, in all of its forms. So, I mean, I think of the ways in which, um, in fact, just um, this last week, um, talking to some folks uh, who have family members who are terminally ill. Yeah. And how, do, how does the church, especially with laws around now, being able to take pills that would shorten right. and end your life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. W- what does the church say about that? Well, that's a conversation that just can't be kind of an insider, kind yeah. of like, you know, uh, conversation amongst those who privately believe. That's, St. That's, uh, Paul would tell us in terms of conversion, that's a story we need to be um, sharing with the culture at large and not to be, not to be ashamed of that. And uh, we know this is true because St. Paul not only um, experiences this conversion, but twice, two other times in his own story, he shares, and I I mentioned this at the beginning, his own conversion story, Mm -hmm. but he does it when he's on trial. Right. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so the first time he shares it, he's being, it's kind of an informal trial amongst um, the temple uh, guards in it, and the crowd is all worked up because he's 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 talking about Jesus. There's this riot that breaks out.
0: That's right. <laughs> Paul tries to
1: calm him down by saying, "Hey, I'm a Hebrew, and I know." And he speaks to them in Hebrew, mm-hmm. which of course everyone's like, "Oh." And he's and he's I'm I'm from Tarsus, and they're like, "Oh, that's a Greek." I mean, yeah. the city of Tarsus still exists. It's a Greek speaking, it's a Greek speaking place. And so by speaking to them, the crowd in Hebrew, they're like, "Oh, well, this guy kind of." you know he, he's one of he's us, of us yeah. yeah he's one of exactly. us maybe we should maybe we should calm down yeah. just take a deep breath and then he talks about how he was trained by Gamaliel yeah, and I was like oh exactly. and they're like ooh he is the bastion of he's, righteousness yeah, and he's, he's, he's a, and so all of a sudden he's got credibility and he calms him down so to speak he, he speaks these words that kind of make him an insider to them and then what does he do he shares his story
0: yeah
1: right he says yeah. where you are now in terms of your passion and zeal for um the the covenant i was there yeah. and let me tell you how through no merit of my own or no special insight of my own that this person, Jesus Christ called to me and set my, my whole life on a different direction. And here's my story. And I want to, would that you would like myself come to this New realization. Mm-hmm. And so he sh- uses his story of conversion as yeah. the means by which the gospel is preached. And then once again, he does it, and he does it in a very formal way um, when uh, in front of uh, the king, uh, Agrippa II, when he appeals to go to Rome. Mm-hmm. He once again shares his story of conversion, if you will, to the Roman world, to, to right. the Gentiles right. in that way. And so for, for us and ourselves, and applying this perhaps uh, to our own sense of conversion, the Lord will give us very personal moments of calling and encounter, but he doesn't do it just so it can remain a private moment. Right. Personal moments mm-hmm. are not just private moments mm-hmm. necessarily, yeah. but they're meant to be experienced personally, yes. but then shared yeah. for the good of all.
0: To tell the story. Exactly. Right. Yeah. To, to, to mm-hmm. share the good news. And yeah. so
1: the conversion of St. Paul, a personal moment, a powerful moment, but the moment which... Truly shaped shaped the church. I mean, yeah. Saint Paul. You think of Saint Paul. What was his goal? It was good to preach to all nations, going to Rome, and they maybe even had this vision of going to the the outer reaches yeah. of Spain,
0: like Spain, and
1: all that. Maybe England. Maybe may, maybe the far reaches of I don't know Ireland. Right. <laughs> no Ireland, but yeah. but I yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to the ends of the of the world. Exactly. Right? <laughs> He could. Could he imagine you and me dogging in North America? You know, <laughs> Two thousand years, years later, exactly. Two thousand years later, right? You know, quoting in, him. exactly quoting him. But the reason we're talking right now is because of this man had this story. experience. He, he told, told the his story. story, and that's why we're talking about it right now because he shared that story, and he's someone who didn't have any credentials or resume. Right to be able to do that other than the sheer grace of Christ.
0: Yeah. Ours is an apostolic faith. That's and right. the apostles, they've been sent by the Lord to tell the great story. And here we are 2,000 years later, living out that apostolic faith, telling the story, our personal uh, experiences with Jesus as well, but doing a, a very personal story to public, to this, telling that great story, to all that we encounter.
1: Yeah, amen. And and, and in fact, I remember when I was um, studying the the uh, Luke Acts of the apostles, yeah. that mm-hmm. was one of the one of the points that was made is is that history can often be thought of as being an informational. Uh, right. Kind mm-hmm. of um, practice. But for ancient Middle Eastern, even going further back than that, mm-hmm. uh, Greek and Roman kind of historians, the point wasn't just to communicate information, yeah. but to uh, give a didactic or teaching right. kind of model for transformation, right? Yeah. So you mm-hmm. tell a story of a heroic or a notable moment, not just so it's like, oh, that happened, but how what happened can continue to instruct. Edify and inspire us, yeah. and so the Acts of the Apostles are not. Luke didn't envision it as simply the story of telling about the acts of these apostles, the life of Peter and Paul. Mm-hmm. It does that for sure. sure, but he tells the story because the Acts of the Apostles is is actually, if you translate that, it's the Acts of Apostles.
0: Yeah,
1: and who oh. are the apostles? All of us who have been sent. Yeah. Because at the at the end of his gospel, Jesus, what does he do? He sends those. And the word Mm -hmm. apostle means one who has been sent. Yes. If you're listening to this podcast today, if you've heard that voice of Christ in your own life, you have been sent. You are an apostle. Yes. And so you are called to act as an apostle. And the conversion of Saint Paul teaches us how to act as apostles. An apostle. Yeah.
0: The acts of the apostles live on today.
1: Exactly. Right. And through you. And so someone's like, well, how do I act? as so or what do I do? Well, there's lots of things we could do. Maybe that would be a subject for a whole other podcast. <laughs> but one, one right. thing you could do is subscribe. Subscribe. Share this podcast with other people. Exactly. Have this moment of, of as we celebrate Thursday at St. Paul, be the moment of reflection for thinking, what are those times in our life yeah. that we have encountered? Maybe not as dramatic as being blinded yeah but what are real we all have moments where we've encountered the voice of christ we've heard christ call us we've been moved or inspired in some way either through the uh, words and action of others or through those moments of silence how have we responded right to that call how do we do that daily how have we reflected yeah. on what Christ has called us to, so that we might share that story. We might act in that way. These, this, 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 these are the recipe. This is the, people, the ingredients that we celebrate on this wonderful, wonderful feast.
0: And, and as we celebrate this wonderful feast, Father Michael, this has been so great fun, but, um, but, uh, on the Facebook account, the Parrish Facebook account, somebody actually mentioned that um, for the podcast we should go national, right? Which is a beautiful thing to, for our listeners. Let's go say. national.
1: Now, how how would we go national? Well,
0: that's the thing. How do we go national <laughs> if it's not for the people who are listening to this podcast? There right you now? go. <laughs> um, it is up to you, our dear listeners, to subscribe to put down reviews, write reviews, tell other people to subscribe. It's up to those who are listening to actually make this a national podcast so that all of us who are listening can be those sent apostles. Amen?
1: Amen. So may, may all that we do this week truly radiate the joy of the gospel here in the heart of the city. Amen?
0: Amen.